Good morning. It's uh, good to see you all. It's good to see we got a couple of our Florida Sunbirds back. Uh, we're happy to have you guys back, but I'm disappointed in you guys. We have snow this morning. What's up with that? You couldn't bring a little more sunshine with you? Bit disappointed there, but we're happy to have you guys back. We're happy to have all of you here uh, this morning as we give God the glory that he so much deserves. So let me ask you a question. How many of you guys are interested in philosophy? Anybody interested by philosophy? We have no, a, couple, a couple people out there, very few interested in philosophy. Yeah, I myself, I'm interested in philosophy. Philosophy is the study of the nature of knowledge, existence, and reality. And philosophy is full of deep, thought-provoking questions. And I love trying to answer these deep, thought-provoking questions that philosophers try to answer for thousands and thousands of years. And I love to invest my time and think about those deep questions. And one question that philosophers ask, a big question in philosophy, is the question, why am I here? Why am I here? That's one of the biggest questions in philosophy that philosophers have tried to answer for thousands of years is why am I here? And we're going to take a look at that this morning as we begin a a new series, uh, Marching for Missions. So in the Church of God uh, General Conference, uh, the denomination we're affiliated with, uh, we designate the month of March for missions. Yeah, missions is important year-round, But especially in the month of March, we want to focus on missions. That's why we come up with marching for missions. Yeah, pretty clever. I like it. So we're going to be talking about marching for missions here in the month of March. Uh, It's it's a five-week series, um, and I I look forward to it. And we're going to put a big emphasis on missions, especially with uh, later on LHI, Lord's Harvest International, as Mark briefly mentioned in the beginning at the announcements. That's our uh, missions conference uh, with the, uh, affiliated with the Church of God General Conference. And there's a couple of opportunities for you guys to, to be involved in marching for missions. And I just want to go ahead and inform you guys uh, real quick. And these are all on the foyer in the info, or on the info desk in the foyer. The first thing we have is a prayer calendar. Each day we can pray for a different ministry that's happening around the world that's affiliated with our Lord's Harvest International, that's affiliated with their conference. These are people that hold the same distinct beliefs as us. And for example, today uh, we're to pray for Edwin Mauricio Alza and the 10 churches in Peru he oversees. Now, many of the people who uh, travel to Peru in our missions trips, they, they meet with Edwin, and Edwin is a fascinating guy. He uh, used to be a pastor of a megachurch, huge megachurch in Peru. Thousands of people went to Edwin's church, and he was a big shot in Peru. But he was teaching truths about the Trinity and such forth. And Edwin later came to the truths that we hold on his own. He believed in the one God. And so Edwin, he could no longer preach on the Trinity and other such topics. And so Edwin had a problem. And so he brought it forth to his board, and he got excommunicated from his church. From his church, the church that he pastored, he was a pastor of thousands of people, and they excommunicated him because of his beliefs. And so now he oversees about 10 churches in Peru, um, like the largest being 75, and all the way down to like 10 people. He took a big, huge pay cut. He is ministering to a lot less people, but he's preaching the truth now. 
And he said he would not give that up for anything. And so for today, March 3rd, Sunday, we get to pray for Edwin and the ministry that he has in Peru. And I, every single day, there's a different ministry uh, that the Lord's Harvest International is affiliated with around the world. So there's a prayer ca- calendar. Take one home, put it on your fridge. You can pray for the different ministries that are happening um, around the world. The next, which also I think is pretty cool, is a gift catalog. There's a gift catalog. We only have a set number of these, so we ask that these stay here. But take a look at them. Uh, There's some pretty neat opportunities for you guys to provide monetary support. I mean, every single penny that you donate goes to that specific need that you have designated. And there's donation sheets right next to the gift catalogs where you can fill what you want to donate, and it instructs you where to mail it to and such forth. So that's a great opportunity. And the money that we donate through the gift catalogs, it goes a long way long ways. For $10, we can, we can uh, deliver a Bible to Africa or Russia or Pakistan or Haiti just for $10 to have a Bible translated in their own language. That's a privilege that a lot of people don't have in these overseas countries. Another example is for $38. For $38, you can rent a room for a group of believers in Pakistan to meet for a full month. For a full month, just $38. I mean, me and Jane, we pay $750 about for our apartment rent. That's for one month for two people to live at. But for $38, you can pay for this church to rent a room to gather for a full month. That is awesome. That's great value for your money. uh, American consumers are trying to get the best value. I'm not sure you're going to beat that value right there. $38. Another example is $30. You can get a mattress for some of our pastors in Africa at their headquarters. We need to take care of those, pa- those pastors in Africa. And for just $30, you can buy a mattress. I mean, some of the mattresses here in America, some of the more fancy ones, they, can, they start getting up uh, higher than $1,000. That's pretty expensive. But for $30, you can provide a mattress for the people in Africa. So there's many great opportunities. I encourage you all, uh, after service, when you're checking out the cookie table, uh, go check out the gift catalog, flip through it, see how you might want to help out uh, the ministries around the world. And the final thing that we have available for us to participate in Marching for Missions is what's called the SOWER program. And we have information out there again on the info desk in the foyer. And this is something that Jamie and I just started, which I'm quite excited about. Um, The SOWER program, it's uh, you commit to donate to a ministry on a monthly basis. So you pick whatever amount you want, whether it be $5 or $10 or $50 or $100, whatever it may be. You, you designate a set amount of money that you want to donate each month, and you can donate, donate it either to the ministries in Russia or Africa or Haiti or Pakistan or donate to just all the countries combined. And so that's pretty cool. That's a new store program that they have out and available for you all. And you can go ahead and take a look at the flyer over there, and you can get involved that way. And so there's lots of ways for us to provide uh, support for our brothers and sisters overseas, both via prayer and monetary support. And so I encourage you guys to take a look at all of that. And so with all of that said, again, uh, the month of March being uh, Marching for Missions in the Church of God, we're going to start a five-week series on marching missions. I'm going to preach the first four weeks, and we're going to have a guest speaker come in uh, the fifth and final week, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, So stay in tune. uh, Stay in tune with us as we go through this series. This morning, we're just going to accomplish one thing. 
one thing this morning we're going to accomplish in talking about marching for missions. And the one thing we're going to accomplish this morning is we are going to define the mission. We're going to define the mission. What is the mission that we are talking about? We're going we're to spend a lot of emphasis and time and energy and effort into missions this month. But what exactly is that mission that we're so devoted to? And a lot of people, they skip this first step. They skip defining what the mission is. And that is so important to define what the mission is. Think about football. All right, so football. The mission is to score more points than the opponent. That is the mission. You could have the most athletic guy, the biggest, fastest, strongest football player out there. But if he thought the mission of football was to see you could throw the football the highest, he'd be of no good to his team. All he would do is either throw an interception or throw an incomplete pass. He'd be no good to his team. But if he understood the mission that you need to score more points than the other team by crossing the ball over the goal line, he could be a great use and he could be a great football player on your team. So John, when you're coaching football, make sure they know what the mission is because that's important. They need to know what the mission is in football. And just like when we're talking about missions, we need to know what the mission is that we're talking about. And to help define what our mission is, we first have to discover why in the world are we here to begin with? Why are we here? Again, that's a question that many philosophers are trying to answer. I've been trying to answer for thousands of years. And I'm going to give you guys a million-dollar answer here in just a couple minutes as to why we are here. And it's quite simple, actually. We are here because, as it states in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, what we looked over a couple weeks ago, that God created us. God created us male and female. He created us in his image. We are here because God created us. That is why we are here. The simple truth. We are here because God created us. And this principle is beautifully illustrated in Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Psalm. If you don't know where Psalm is, if you take your Bible and you open to about the middle of your Bible, you'll probably flip to Psalms or maybe Proverbs. I flipped to Proverbs there. Proverbs is right after Psalms. But if you look generally in the middle of your Bible, the book of Psalms. And we're going to go ahead and read from Psalms chapter 1, or book, or Psalm 139, uh, verse 13 through 18. So again, if you have your Bibles near the middle, Psalm 139, verse 13 and eight, through 18. And this is a psalm of David. David wrote many of the psalms. And here David is praising God, worshiping God, as he wrote a psalm or like a song to God. We have many of our worship songs. This is kind of viewed as like a song or a psalm to God. And here David is talking to God or writing to God. And he says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. So here, uh, David beautifully illustrates God's creation in us. 
So here David uh, states in verse 13, a beautiful poetic uh, language. He says that, God, you knit me in my mother's womb. You formed my inner being. Such a beautiful picture there as God knitting us, to get, knitting us together in our mother's rooms. And I love that analogy. I love that picture because thousands of years after David wrote this psalm, scientists had discovered uh, that we are composed of DNA. DNA is what differentiates each and every one of us. It's the information within us. It tells us uh, how you look. It tells us what color your hair is, how tall you are, whether you have freckles or not, your skin color, hair color. It describes how you look. It also describes your personality. It describes uh, like your sense of humor or if you have a temper or not, or if you are outgoing or not. Your DNA is who you are. That is who you are, your DNA. And if we have the picture of the DNA, yes, right there. That's the picture of DNA that is living and in all of us. And we're filled with DNA. That's who we are. And so we see here two strands that run parallel together and kind of like a spiral staircase. And those, and those two strands are knitted together by the nucleotides. We get a beautiful picture of God knitting us together, knitting our DNA together through those nucleotides. And it's just a beautiful picture to me. I, I find that fascinating. Thousands of years before, David uh, describes God creating us as knitting us together in our mother's rooms. And thousands of years later, scientists have discovered that we're composed of DNA, which looks like it is knit together. I find that fascinating. And so we are here because God created us. That's very simple. That's a very simple answer to the deep thought-provoking question that philosophers have been trying to answer for thousands of years is why are we here? Will you go tell uh, those philosophers out there, we're here because God created us. It says so. It says so in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And it says here in Psalms 139, 13 through 18, that God created us. That is why we are here. And there's much evidence uh, outside the Bible that we are created by God. Each baby, whether in the womb for just 30 days or 30 weeks or already born, has so much value. So much value as they were formed and knit in their mother's womb by God. That automatic, we've been talking about how much value we have the past couple weeks. That gives you value also that God knit you and formed you in your mother's womb. So many politicians nowadays fail to understand this, that our babies, we all have so much value because God individually knit and formed you in your mother's womb. If only the politicians nowadays could understand this. They fail to understand this, which is a disgrace. But we're here because God created us. That is why we are here. And again, we're talking about why we are here because we need to first define the mission. When we're talking about missions, we need to define what that mission is we're doing. And in order to do that, we need to, we need to know why we are here to begin with, and that is because God created us. But another important step in this process of defining our mission, is we have to discover why. Why did God create us? We're here because God creates, but why in the world would God create us? And that's an important question that we need to take note of this morning. Now, it's important to note that God is perfect. He is not lacking in any way. He is not sufficient for us or he, he, he does not need us to be sufficient. He's not dependent upon us. He is self-sufficient. 
God didn't create us because he was lonely. That would suggest that God needs us. God doesn't need us. He is perfect by himself. God didn't create us because he was lonely. Besides, he already had the heavenly, ho- the, the heavenly host or the angels to relate to. So God didn't create us because he was lonely, which some people may suggest. But rather, I would say that God created us because he wants a relationship with you. God created you because he wants a relationship with you. Now, some of you may may be asking, well, Kyle, how do you know that God created us because he wants a relationship with us? Well, I would say you have to look no further than Jesus Christ. So in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and he made Adam and Eve, and life was perfect. Life was perfect for Adam and Eve in the garden. They had everything they could have ever wanted. They had a perfect relationship with God. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. How awesome would that be? But they had everything perfect in in the beginning, and God just gave Adam and Eve one rule. You can't eat of the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, Adam and Eve, they ate of that tree, and sin entered the world. And so with sin entering the world, we were separated from God. A couple thousand years later, Jesus came along. Jesus came along, and he was the one thing that God wanted, a son who loved him, a child who had his will in mind, a child who was sinless. God had what he wanted in Christ. God had everything that he could have wanted in the one man, Jesus Christ. He had that. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He had a perfect relationship with God. But we know at the end of Jesus' life here on this earth, It was God's will. It was God's will that Jesus be crushed on the cross. It was God that, that is crazy for me to think, that it was God's will to see his perfect son suffer on the cross as Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God heard, God heard Christ God had everything that he wanted in Christ. But it was his will that Christ die and suffer on that cross. And we ask, why why in the world would it be God's will for Jesus to suffer and die on the cross for our sins? And the answer is you. You're the answer. It was God's will that Jesus die and suffer on that cross, what we just celebrated here with communion. It was God's perfect will Because God wants a relationship with you. It was only made possible through that sacrifice. Through that sacrifice, the, the wages of our sin are paid for through the sacrifice of Christ. It was God's perfect will that Christ die and suffer on the cross for our sins so that we can be connected with God. Christ is serving as our mediator. He's sitting at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us as Christians. Christ is our mediator and Christ is, is the, the payment of our sins that we can live eternally with God in the kingdom. That is why God sent his perfect son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. It's because of you, because God wants a relationship with you. That is why he created, that is why he created mankind to begin with, because he wants a relationship with you. That is affirmative, that's definitive. You, 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 can't, you can't argue that. That God will create us because he wants a relationship with us. Because we can see that through the proof of Jesus Christ. 
There's so much power in that, that God, the almighty creator, wants a relationship with you. The almighty creator knit you and formed you in your mother's womb. And he wants to have a relationship with you. That is awesome. That is something to put a smile on your face. That God wants a personal relationship with you. And so that is why God created us. God created us because he wants to have a relationship with you. So we're talking about defining the mission. We have to first figure out our mission in life. We first have to figure out why in the world we're here to begin with. And that's because God created us. And we discover that God created us because he wants a relationship with us. That is why we are here. We are here. We are here today. Each of you are here today because God wants a relationship with you. So we talk about marching for missions the rest of the month. That is the mission, to grow closer to God because God wants a relationship with you. The mission is growing closer to God. Grow closer to God. That is our mission in life, growing closer to God because that's why you're here to begin with. You're succeeding in life if you are growing closer to God. Now, that is so important, but yet it does not end there. That's just the first part of our mission. The first part of our mission is growing closer to God. On a daily basis, we need to be growing closer to God. But it doesn't end there. Our mission does not end there. Because just as much as God wants to have a relationship with you, he wants to have a relationship to the person to your right, to your left, to the front of you, behind you, to the person across the world in China, to the children in Africa, to the people in Russia, to the people in Pakistan, to the people in Peru and Mexico, all over the people in your own backyard in Springfield. God wants a relationship with them just as much as he wants a relationship with you. Now there's a big problem there. Huge problem. Because the almighty creator wants a relationship with each and every person here on this earth. That's why he created them in the first place. But the problem is so Many people, either one, they don't know about God. They don't know that there's a God out there who loves them and cares for them and desires to have a relationship with them. Or there's some people who don't desire at all to have that relationship with the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. That is a big problem that we have on our hands. It is our responsibility. That, that is the second part of our mission. It's extending that, that knowledge to, our, to, to everyone out there, to our neighbors. Uh, we're not, we talked about loving our neighbors as ourselves a couple of weeks ago. We're not loving our neighbors if we're not telling them this good news that we have. We need to be telling them this good news. God is preparing the kingdom for us. God is preparing a future kingdom for us. It's going to be perfect. Everything that is wrong with this world is going to be made right in the future coming kingdom that God is preparing for his beloved children. And God wants everyone to be a part of that. 2 Peter 3.9 states that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God wants everyone to reach repentance. God wants everyone to be a part of his coming kingdom that he is preparing now. He's preparing now for us the future coming. He's not slow to bring it, but he's patient because he still knows there's people out there who still need to give their life over to him and his son. 
And so that's the second part of our mission. We need to be expanding God's kingdom. Expanding God's kingdom. God wants everyone to be a part of his kingdom, but so many people refuse or don't know about that coming kingdom. And it's our mission. It's our mission in life. The second part of our mission is expanding God's kingdom. If you're taking notes, write that down. Expand God's kingdom. That's the second part of our mission. Because God wants everyone to be a part of it. Just as much as he wants you to be a part of his kingdom, he wants your neighbor to be a part of his, neighbor, be a part of his kingdom. Because he loves you and he loves your neighbors. And we know that because he sent his perfect son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. That is our mission. To one, grow closer to God. Grow closer to God. And two, expand his kingdom. Grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. That is our mission as humans that is the mission of humanity. And we know that because we're here because God wants a relationship with us and we need to have that relationship ourselves. We need to help cultivate other people having that relationship with God. That is our mission. One, again, if you're taking notes, write this down. One, to grow closer to God and two, expanding his kingdom. That is our mission. That determines whether or not you have a successful day, a successful week, a successful month or year or lifetime, if you are fulfilling that mission. I mean, this, the side, society nowadays, they look at the lives of Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Tom Brady, Albert Einstein, Michael Jackson, these people who have great success in our eyes. We deem them as successful people. But the problem is these people don't know what the mission is to begin with. The mission of humanity, the mission of Christianity is to draw closer to God and expand his kingdom. And those people that we deem so successful nowadays, if we hold them to that standard, if we hold them to that mission, a lot of those people are utter failures. A lot of them are utter failures. Rather, a successful person, according to philosophy, according to why we're here, a successful person is one who is growing closer to God and to expanding his kingdom. That is the definition of a successful person. You want to be a successful person, you do that. You do, you do those two steps, and you are going to be a successful person. And there's going to be a great, great reward for you in the future when everything wrong with this world is going to be made right in God's coming kingdom. That's what's in store for you. That's what's in store for me. That's what's in store for us. We just need to faithfully serve God. There's a great reward out there. And so that is your mission in life. As you go on with your day, as you go on with your week, your month, your year, your life, that is your mission. Grow closer to God on a daily basis. We talked about our relationship status with God. That is so important. You need to be growing closer to God on a daily basis. I challenged some of you guys a couple of weeks ago to spend every day in prayer. And I saw some feedback on Facebook where some people did, and they said it felt great, and I love that. It feels great to draw closer, to grow closer to God every day of our lives. It's a great feeling, and I want that feeling for you guys. And God does too. God wants to draw closer to you. So that is your mission, to grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. Expand his kingdom. There's so many people out there who don't know about God's coming kingdom, and you have a responsibility. With much power comes much responsibility. You have power in this knowledge, and now it's your responsibility 
to share that knowledge that you have. The knowledge that there's a Savior who died for them. The knowledge that there's a God who loves and cares for them and a God who wants to have a relationship with them. The knowledge that there's a kingdom coming in the future where we can live eternally and have a never-ending celebration. You have that responsibility now. With much power comes much responsibility. And you have the power of that knowledge. And now it's up to you guys. It's up to you to expand God's kingdom. To get more and more people in God's coming kingdom. His future coming kingdom. It's your responsibility. That is your mission. To grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. And that's our mission as a church as well. It's our mission as a church. As a church, we need to be helping each and every one of us to grow closer to God on a daily basis. And two, we need to be expanding God's kingdom. We need to be sharing this good news that we have to our neighbors in our own backyard. There are many people here in the Springfield County who don't have that relationship with God, who need that relationship with God. And it's our responsibility. That is our mission as a church. It's our mission to grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. And that is the mission that we will be talking about the rest of this month as we're marching for missions. We are marching to grow closer to God and we are marching to expand his kingdom. That is our mission. Grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I just uh, thank you for the immense blessing that we have and the knowledge of you, the knowledge that you love us, you care for us, you want a relationship with us, the knowledge that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, the knowledge that you have a kingdom being prepared for us as we speak, where everything wrong with this world will be made right. God, we thank you for that knowledge. God, it's my prayer this morning that we as a church, we as a North Hills church, we as your church can grow closer to you and we can expand your kingdom. Father, we love you. I just pray that you do great works through us as your faithful servants. And it's in your son's very, very precious name that we pray. Amen.